Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes Podcast. This is Case 15, The Crosses. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and a gnawing sensation deep in my gut that can only be Fido, the spider I swallowed in my sleep last night, who is now fighting it out with the ghost pepper salsa I had right before I went to bed. Sucks to be him. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian. As Ben. Billy. Don't be a hero. Matt. As Kyle. So anyway, my aunt just started blasting. And Lupine as Rosa. The goats? Still? I mean, like, come on, guys. There's, like, what's happening with the goats? Welcome, everybody. Uh, how's everybody doing? I know Brian just had to zoom in from uh, an event. 13-hour day, so you should be a top perform now. Hey, Nate. So a large section of this is going to just be you solo improving, Brian. I hope you're ready. I think my mic broke. Brian will be playing all the NPCs tonight, so don't worry about that. Gosh! Guys, I'm not sure if you caught any of the recent Oscar hype, but everything, everywhere, all at once practically swept the award ceremony. If there was a multiverse and you came face-to-face with another you, how would you handle it? Uh, straight to the bedroom, baby. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do if you meet yourself. Go fuck yourself? Go fuck yourself, buddy. I can't. I haven't met the alternate universe me yet, you idiot. In that same vein, if I met an alternate Jeremy, first I'd lower the lights. Then I'd put on some Barry White on the Zune Hi-Fi system. And of course, I'd be wearing my Evil Dead t-shirt and lime green Crocs. A tasteful daub of bacon-scented cologne behind each ear. Freshly shaven everywhere. Then I'd hoist the axe and get to work hacking that copycat to bits because this world ain't big enough for the both of us. I would scream there can only be one and then hack myself to pieces with the claymore. Listeners, if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form. We appreciate and accept a thoughtful criticism, thirsty praise, and even the vocal stylings of William Shatner. You have a problem with William Shatner? Do I have a problem with William Shatner? I don't know. Do I? Yes, I do. Uh, we do have one letter tonight. This is from Endless Ocean on Reddit regarding Case 15 Tape 5, which was just released. They say, nice work yet again, guys. Lupine fits so well into the group. Credit is due all of you for making a new person feel welcome and assured. You didn't see the hazing. And we'll get the comfy chair. Hired a masseuse. <laughs> we learned from the Spanish Inquisition, so we learned from the best. Nobody expects the Lovecraft tapes. <laughs> this show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on Patreon.com slash Lovecraft tapes. So thank you guys for all your hard-earned cash. Appreciate that. All right, before we begin, we need to take a quick commercial break. And now, a word from our sponsor. Do you like twang? Do you like your twang with a double dose of getting her done? Well, then you're going to love my new album, Jesus Smells Like Mothballs and Other Potential Hits. Howdy, y'all. This here's Jessup McHaggerty, former child star on the hit TV show 
Last LaRue's last standoff at the All Right I Guess Corral. Now, of course, you all know me from my live country music performances at Neighborhood Chillies and Chillies Tools all across this great nation, ours. But you probably know me best from my top 191 single, Jesus Smells Like Mothballs. Now here, let me, let me just hit you with the chorus from that. Now, Jesus smells like mothballs, and I just don't know why. He may be the king of kings, but that stench is making me cry. I tried to get real close, but then I gotta back away. Cause Jesus smells like mothballs every single day. Yeah, that sure takes me back, and I hope it does the same for you. But did you know that I'm working on some new music? Hey, you bet I did. And as the residuals uh, dry up from that first record deal, well, as my papa says, you gotta keep feeding the pigs. And uh, while these fresh rhymes, as the kids say, haven't been released to the general public until now, I'm pretty sure they'll be rocking it up the billboard rankings in no time at all. Here is just a taste. Now, I met the devil down at Crapplebee's. He was sitting at the bar, sipping on a jar of sweet tea and eyeing me from afar. When I caught his eye, he slid on by and offered to make me a star. I said, no siree, because I don't think so. I know exactly just who you are. You really got to go, because oh no, no, I'm a godly man just praising the Lord. Meet me at McDonald's and meet your maker. We gotta talk before it's too late, before our love goes under. Cause I can't live without you by my side, and leaving should would be a blunder. If you don't meet me at McDonald's, you might just meet my steel thunder. If you know what I'm saying, ladies. There's a place in town where the neon shines. It's a fast food joint where people go to dine. But if you listen real close, you might hear the sound of angels singing all around. Angels over Arby's watching over me. Guiding all my footsteps to where I need to be. In this noisy world, it's a peaceful sound. There's angels over Arby's all around. Oh, wait, I can tell it's already going to be fire, and I'm not talking about the kind of fire that burned up my old house out on Sunny Hill Road last month, and you see, no doubt, that was caused there by them there faulty wiring in the attic. I do not care what the police report says about them 15 gas cans they supposedly found in my basement. Who thank God I have plenty of insurance? I tell you what Jesus provides. Uh, anyway, look for my new album, Jesus Smells Like Mothballs and Other Potential Hits, in the lobby of your nearest Chili's or Chili's 2 location. And uh, before I even ask, yep, even the one down at the airport. Now this is Jessup McHaggerty, wishing everybody a peaceful day and extra crispy chicken crispers. <laughs> And we're back. As we know, all good things must come to an end. How do you dispose of that product and or service when it reaches the expiration date? 
you recycle it, and then your body recycles it, and then you recycle that. It's recycling all the way down, folks. It's all recycling. Well, I say that when it's time to kiss that product and or service goodbye, that's exactly what I do. I kiss it goodbye. Then I start eating one bite at a time, chew after chew. Then tomorrow, or usually around 8.15 a.m., after two cups of strong coffee and 17 sit-ups, no more, no less, I drop that product tender service off the pool. Arrivederci, product tender service. <laughs> Please add a flush sound. Now, dear investigators, we play Case 15, Tape 8. Follow the Swamp Beacon. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. There arrives a moment in everyone's lives when innocence is shattered forever and reality rushes in to fill the void left behind. Ben searches for help with Rose's spreading skin condition, though his paranoia nearly derails their quest for adult assistance. Kyle is found by his Uncle John, but finds out it might not be his blood kin behind the familiar mask. Will old man August steer Ben and Rosa towards salvation? Did Kyle duck in time? Somewhere in the woods... A red-tipped toadstool pushes through the forest loam, its gills stretching, sensing, laden with phosphorescent emerald-tinted spores. It is approximately 5 p.m. Pacific time on Sunday, June 16, 1974. With low-hanging storm clouds scudding over the ocean and moving inland, twilight settles in prematurely, even as the temperatures continue to rise, flirting near 90. The low rumble of thunder can be faintly heard, still far out to sea. Ben and Rosa You're sitting in the kitchen of the August Mansion. A place you never thought in a million years you'd ever see. Yet, here you are, sipping bottles of Fresca through colorful corkscrew drinking straws, munching on precisely portioned chunks of homemade walnut fudge. Overhead, the dual fluorescent tubes glow brightly casting the small chrome-plated dinette table and red-padded chairs in a bluish tint. Alden August is seated next to Rosa, his deep-set ghostly blue pupils peering impassively at her rash through a comically oversized magnifying glass, which he holds in a slightly unsteady hand, protected by a black leather driving glove. His other hand, tightly grasping the top of a sturdy silver-tipped cane, is likewise sheathed in a glove. Now then, he says, leaning back, curious gaze flickering between the two of you, 
Tell me again how you acquired this condition. Mr. August uh, is in the woods, and we saw some people at the hot springs, and they're really weird looking. They were also um naked. One of them touched me. Then this this rash showed up. Show me where on the doll the mean person touched you. Benjamin, uh, is this what you witnessed as well? Some of it. I was really scared. I, I did notice the mushrooms. What is this, the mushrooms? They're little toadstools that people sometimes eat, and some are poisonous. She said that someone touched her. What about the mushrooms? There were these weird mushrooms that the ranger asked us to look for. Ranger Rickenbacker? He actually said to stay away from them, but we didn't know they were dangerous. So naked people touched you on the neck and you saw mushrooms. And the naked people were weird. Like, their hands were melting. They walked funny. And they didn't blink either, just like her goats. I see. Hmm. They came out of the water and they looked kind of green. Like there was something on their skin or something in their skin. That's when I ran. And I fell. Well, I'm sorry, dear. Let me think for a moment. And he sits back in his chair and... Can I have another fresca? Oh, yes. Benjamin, please help yourself. There's another in the fridge. Yes. Now, Rosa, I, you are the uh, Garcia child, yes? Yeah. Um, my mom and dad have a, have a farm. I'm well aware. I've been here many years. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you know this or not, but your father drops off a delivery of vegetables once a week to my doorstop. Oh, I guess they didn't. Well, in my advanced age, I could no longer attend the farmer's market, but he's been kind enough to drop these goods off at my place on a regular basis. And he's a good person. He is a good man. Yes, your father is quite nice. So when you see him, uh, please tell him I said thank you and hello. I don't know where my parents are right now. I don't know where any of my... Oh, oh the pastor said they're out in the woods, right? right, Ben? Yeah. What are they doing there? I guess maybe looking for the Berkeley students? The missing students, yeah. There are students missing? I hadn't heard anything. Have you seen them? Some of them were the people that were weird and came out of the hot springs. One of them was our teacher. Jennifer Olmos? Yeah. yeah. I see, I see. Um, Benjamin, would you do me a, an honor, please? Uh, I have a book in the library just on the hall. Would you mind uh, fetching it for me? Do you read German by any chance? No, I don't. Sorry. That's unfortunate. Uh, well, it's called Die Pilze Unserer Heimat by Eugene Gramberg. Don't worry. It's uh, not some mystical tome, just some information we might be able to use. You can't miss it. It's bound in bright blue. If memory serves, uh, it's on the third shelf in the collection nearest the desk towards the left. Uh, use the ladder, mind you. Oh, okay, I'll be right back. Be careful. Don't touch anything else. And I assume uh, Ben's uh, heading into the library? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes off down the hallway, and um, August leans back and watches Rosa. Does it hurt at all? It sort of itches. It feels weird. It feels, like, like dry. and I'm hoping that uh, my research might turn up something. This is um, a bit unusual, but I have seen something like it before. As Ben mentioned earlier, uh, it does share some of the characteristics of ringworm, but it doesn't exactly look that way. Is there anything else you can tell me? You both seem quite frightened 
of something. Yeah, the people that we saw in the, in the forest were pretty scary. The missing Berkeley students, yes. Yeah, and Ms. Olmos. They looked really weird, and I was afraid, like, I felt like I shouldn't let them touch me. Well, I'm sorry, dear, and he pats your hand. Would you like another fresca? Yes, please. Just one moment, and he painstakingly stands up, uses the cane to hobble over to the refrigerator, opens it up, and peers through his mumbling to himself. He says something like, Sponsor us, Fresca. Oh. I'm sorry, dear. Um, my wife used to take care of these things. It, oh, there. I have one left in the back here. And he pulls the last bottle of Fresca out of the fridge and puts it before you and opens it up with a... Do you like grapefruit? Yes. I find that the uh, curly straw makes it taste better, yes? Yeah, it does. My wife said the same thing. I, I always bought the curly straws whenever I could. Is Ben your boyfriend, would you say? Not really. Oh, forgive me. I just assumed yeah, the two of you. Young love and all that. We just hang out because he likes rocks and I do too. It's good to have something in common. Yeah, we just have adventures. This is quite the adventure. Uh, don't worry, dear. We'll, we'll figure this out together as soon as Benjamin returns with my book. So, Ben, it's very easy to find the library because the door is wide open and it's a room full of books. There are rows on either side of the room. There's a window at the back of the room. Just in front of that is a desk. And each wall is about 20 feet tall. There are six rows of books. And there is a rolling ladder attached to rails, which goes the perimeter of the room. Give me a spot hidden, please. I needed a 45. I rolled a 28. That is a success. You spot it immediately, exactly where he said it was on the third shelf in the collection nearest the desk. So you walk up to the desk, take a look on the left, three shelves up, and you can see a bright blue bound book. But you're going to need a ladder to get up there. Walk over to the ladder, push myself off on the ladder, and see if it can roll me to where I need to go. Only if you do so while singing that there must be more than this provincial life. You have to sing about this provincial town. There must be some towns that are provincial in the life. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Go ahead and give me a dexterity roll. I needed an 80. I rolled a 6. That's extreme. You hop onto the bottom rung of the ladder, kick off on the floor. It rolls to exactly the spot where you needed to be. And you are singing this provincial song and trapes up the rungs of the ladder to the third shelf and snatch the book from its spot. And you can see it starts with a D. So you, you assume this is it, and then slide back down the ladder. I take a second when I get to the bottom of the ladder, and I look around. The one time I do something cool, nobody's here to see it. Come on. No one's ever going to believe that I just did that. And you hear from down the hall, Ben, did you just slide around the ladder and sing about a provincial town? <laughs> I was watching you with our reach. I watch you always, Ben. I've always <laughs> been the caretaker. Every step you take, every move you make, every ladder you swing around the library. I'll be watching shoes. I'll be watching you. All right, so you don't possess the book? Proudly hold that book to my chest and walk back to the kitchen and present it. Is this the right book? Oh, thank you, Benjamin. And he takes it from your hand and painstakingly flipping a page, licking his finger, 
flipping a page, licking his finger. You have a really cool library, sir. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll turn up the heat then. No, it's a very interesting, very interesting library. You know what they say? Interesting is the least interesting word in the English language. It's phenomenal. Thank you. That's better. All right. Well, this will take me just a moment. If you wouldn't mind, help yourself to more fudge. I will pack it in, sir. Thanks. It's made with real nuts. Kyle. Consciousness returns slowly. As your mind becomes aware of its surroundings once more, you try to open your eyes, but a heaviness presses upon your brow like a dark cloak of blindness. Still drugged, you groan with a dry, sore throat and attempt to sit up. Strong hands hold you down by the shoulders. Shh, someone says. Don't move. Not yet. It takes you a moment to realize it's your Aunt Emily's voice. You relax, allowing your senses to catch up as you recall what happened earlier. But then you remember Uncle John, his hands tight around your neck, squeezing as his alien, unblinking eyes watched emotionless. And you sit up suddenly, the damp washcloth falling from your face. You blink a few times to see Emily sitting next to you on the couch, tear-streaked mascara running down her cheeks. Welcome back, she says ruefully. For a minute there, I was afraid you didn't hear me to tell you to duck. Prop next to her is a rifle of the same caliber as the single round you found in the ammo box back at the clubhouse. To your right, on the floor, is Uncle John's body, his head obliterated to a pulpy mass with no remaining features. Except... There, deep in the crevice where his face used to be, you're certain you see the porous gills of a ruby-topped fungus. I want to need you to roll sanity. Uh, I needed a 59. I rolled an 83. That's a failure. I'm going to need you to roll d6. Five. <laughs> You take five points of sanity damage, and as we know... I win the game! Yay! You win, Cthulhu! Bout of madness. Bout! Bout! Let it all out! So you're gonna need an intelligence roll. I needed a 40, I rolled a 17, that's a hard success. So in this case, that's a bad thing. Yeah, I did not want that. So this means that you comprehend the horror. You understand all of it. Find out who my next character is when we play next week. You will be stricken with a bout of temporary insanity. Now, uh, go ahead and roll me D10, please. Nine. So Kyle, you drink in the sight of your Uncle John. 
lying on the blood-stained carpet and see that the mushrooms that you spent most of the afternoon picking are now rooted in his blasted skull. And as you struggle to comprehend the enormity of losing this beloved uncle, your mind blanks completely as if you'd been locked suddenly into a black room of limitless dimension. Then, a very familiar crackling sounds. It's the same sound you heard back when Randy touched the rock. And you witness in your mind's eye a sizzle of tangerine lightning erupting out of the blackness to touch the top of your skull. And you can now see clearly as if the world had been revealed to you for the very first time. You are standing in a brightly lit underground cavern flooded with white hot lava. Somehow, the heat does not sear your flesh, and you feel no pain. All around are standing stones, much like the one that Randy touched. Though, these are much older, crumbling with age. For some reason, the very sight of them fills you with sorrow. You are the last keeper of the repository. Alone, you must continue to collect the data necessary to fulfill your destiny. Lava erupts from beneath, propelling you upward toward the cavern ceiling. And just before consciousness is obliterated, your final thought is to reach the surface, no matter how many centuries it might take. And you are suddenly awakened again, sitting next to Emily on the couch. There is a scent of ozone in the air that is very reminiscent of what you smelled back at the hot springs after Randy touched that rock. We'll need to figure out some sort of nine-hour insanity uh, condition for you. So you come out of this fugue, turn toward Emily, and she is looking at you with a blank, unblinking mask that seems alien to you. Kyle, what's 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 wrong? Do you have any Fresca? Sponsor us, Fresca. Kyle, I really need your help right now. Kind of sit up and scoot back a little bit and just double check to see where the rifle is in the room right now. It's right next to her. All right. What's wrong? Motion at the dead body on the floor. That it was in heat. Can you go get me a glass of water? I'm just a little dry right now. <laughs> yes, of course. I'm sorry. Um, But... Kyler, there's something I need to show you first. It would explain all of this. Uh, I mean, just like a drink would be nice. Please 
take my hand. I'm kind of woozy. I, I just really need your help right now. I don't, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but I promise you that wasn't your Uncle John. I know what it looks like, but I can't explain, but I can show you. I mean, maybe after I get that, that glass of water, I'd like, I'm just... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be right back. And she runs to the kitchen. And as soon as she gets up, I'm going to grab the rifle and bolt out the front door. Kyle, where are you going? You can hear her calling after you. No, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Nice job, Kyle. <laughs> where are you going, Kyle? Treehouse. So Kyle runs through the cloudy twilight with a gun strapped to his back to the clubhouse. Ben, you reach the end of your fresca bottle, making a slurping noise as it empties out. Alden August is carefully poring over the words in the thick book, which is clearly in German. Hmm. Oh, I see. Yes, that makes sense. Now that is interesting. Would you mind, uh, Rosaline, lean this way a bit? I'm leaning. Thank you, dear. Uh, I just needed another closer look at Oh, that matches exactly. Oh. Oh, well, good news, bad news. This is some strain of ringworm. Uh, good job, Benjamin, for identifying that. It's not your commonplace condition, though. At least none that I've ever seen. And please let me tell you, I've seen every skin condition under the sun for the past 50 years. Even the naughty ones. <laughs> Benjamin, would you would you be so kind as to go in the top drawer there and just beneath the I think you call it a microwave or the microwave microwave yes it's from Greece it's full of Greece <laughs> there's a very sharp knife would you mind grabbing that for me uh be careful bring it here quickly what are you gonna do with with that Rosa don't worry I just need something to scrape the rash off you won't feel a thing please trust me it'll be over very quickly I hope you have a really good dexterity, sir. No problem, handshaking. I bring the knife over and set it and spin it to the handles near him, and I reach out and grab Rosa's hand to comfort. We're just going to take what we call a sample. You just feel the faintest brush on the back of your shoulder. And Ben, you get a really good look now, and you can see that the condition has worsened quite a bit. It is spread, it's quite raised, and there are bits of sort of green furry stuff on it. Ew. That's gross. Rosa, if you die, can I have the rest of your fresca? I already finished it. Oh, I moved my hand. He reaches into his waistcoat pocket and pulls out a little plastic bag, turns it inside out, and then scrapes the knife and the fungus off into the bag. All right, uh, the two of you, please follow me. And he gets up and walks down the hallway to what looks like a very ornate glass door towards the rear of the house. Right before he opens it up, he says, Now, not many have seen this, so I appreciate your discretion. Yes? Of course, sir. Yeah. And he turns back around and opens up the door. Beyond is an enormous greenhouse. Oh, cool. Row upon row of flora, plants that you've never seen, Rosa, even at your farm. You do recognize that he is growing some vegetables with different strains. You can see that there are some peppers that change as the rows proceed. They look like the same, but they're being mutated as they go along. 
To the left of the row that he walks down, beckoning you forward, there are strains of mushrooms, none of which look like the ones that you've seen recently. But he is walking down and looking at each one, stooping and peering at a few of them. And then he gets down to the back of the row, and there is a little table set up there with a microscope, platelets, notebook, and uh, a couple stools, and he beckons towards the stool. Please uh, have a seat. All right, let me take a look at this. And he pops the uh, sample into some platelets and slips it underneath the microscope and peers through the lens, grumbling as he looks and fine-tunes it so he can focus on the sample. All right, take a look at this, Benjamin, you first. What do you make of this? I step up and put my eye up to it. Wow, you can see really, really close. Now you see there, the bit of green is is moving, yes? Yeah, what is that? Looks like little worms or something. Yes, those are the little flagella surrounding the green mass. Now watch carefully. See how it's splitting? Yeah, like a cell. It's like it's replicating, yes, exactly. Now, if you watch carefully, the two sections of the central mass are identical now. They are, in essence, cloning. What do you make of this? A clone is something that's exactly the same as something else, right? Yes, it's very curious. I've never seen anything quite like it. It's like a ditto of something. Yes, a mimeograph, you might say. My teachers do those. A charcoal rubbing, an etching. An etching, yes, a rubbing. You ever notice how goats rub their butts on you? Do you ever rub in graveyards? All the time, yes, and and pretty soon on a permanent basis. Have you ever been in a Turkish prison? (laughs) This this makes no sense. Why is this thing replicating to make more of itself identically? That would explain why it's spreading so quickly. Is it trying to copy Rosa? Why do you say that? Because I think that's what it did to the goats at Rosa's farm. What is this about goats? She has the baby goats and they were making weird noises. So we went and looked at them and there was mushrooms going from one goat to under the hay. We moved the hay and it was just a lump of weird yuck. We poked it and there was a mushroom. It looked sort of like it was in the shape of a baby goat. It didn't have enough parts. Like it didn't have enough play eyes. And her baby goat went flat like all the air was let out of it. Like a tire or a beach ball or something and you let all the air out. This is quite disturbing. And you two seem to be trustworthy, so I don't doubt your word. But I must iterate that most people probably wouldn't believe you. This is a pretty tall tale. We only told one other person. What do you think is happening? Well, our friend thinks it's aliens. I don't think it's aliens. That's rich. I think it's got something to do with the mushrooms. Yes, now that makes more sense. Maybe the mushrooms are growing around where the hot springs are, or they're coming from the hot springs somehow. Yeah, that's where they're, the, a lot of them were at. Would you be willing to help me with an experiment? Uh, yeah, within reason. Just over two rows on the workbench over there. Uh, you'll find a small mason jar with some white powder in it. Would you mind fetching that, please? Sure. Is it cocaine? Cocaine. I like to say cocaine. Cocaine. So I'm going to go over there quickly and grab it. The workbench is strewn with tools and all kinds of fertilizer and pipettes, measuring spoons, little handwritten labels for 
shoving into the soil of plants with Latin names on them. Indeed, you do see several mason jars with various colored powders and liquids in them, except one does have white powder inside. There's a blue label on it, like a piece of blue tape with the letter M written on it in Sharpie. Carefully pick it up and cradle it in two hands like a baby and walk it over to him. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Benjamin. You're quite handy to have around, I must say. Rosa, would you mind lowering your shirt slightly so we can see more of the shoulder and neck? I do uh, pull it down. That's fine enough there, Rosa. Thank you. So we're going to take a bit of this. I have a sponge here, and I'm going to put a bit of the powder, like so, on the sponge, and then just slightly pat it onto the rash. Now watch, Benjamin. Watch. I get in as close as I can, but not in the way. Rosa, you are immediately aware that there is relief from the pain and itching It feels as if the rash is already gone. But you hear a gasp from Ben as he sees the green, fuzzy covering to the rash begin to creep off your neck and down the back of your shirt as if alive. What is it doing? Benjamin, step back. I back up as quick as I can. No, hold still, Rosa. Hold still. Don't move, Rosa. Okay. Rosa feels the breath of fresh air on the back of her neck as this thing departs your skin and clambers down, becoming more solidified as it clambers down the back of your shirt and then drops to the ground, writhing in what you can only imagine to be pain. And then it shrivels up and turns brown. And Rosa, you turn around to see this same thing. This clump of what looks like almost moss shriveling, giving off a sulfur smell. Hey, that's the smell we smelled at the hot springs. What was that stuff? Let us retire back to the kitchen for more fudge and fresca. And I will explain further about this. Kyle, you arrive sweaty and skittish. Back to the clubhouse. You're clutching the gun as if it were a life preserver. You're relieved to see that Ben and Rosa are not at the clubhouse because you'd be afraid of what their faces would look like. Scramble up the ladder into the clubhouse, shut the trap door, and pile everything I can possibly move on top of it. Not my rock pump. Including the rock pump. Son of a... So you spend a couple minutes just piling everything you possibly can onto the uh, trap door, thinking this is going to be your last stand. That's when you become aware of a maddening itch in your hands. Cut off your hands. I'll look down at them. And they are puffy and red. It looks like there's a little light green coating. Start frantically like rubbing them and scratching them and trying to just peel that green coating off. You scrub them against your pant leg, furiously trying to get some sort of relief, but it seems to almost inflame them further. What is this? I'm going to start like using the wooden floor as like a scratch board to try and like itch. He's turning into a cat. I'm going to need you to make a con roll, please. Uh, I needed a 70. I rolled a 91. That's a failure. 
So you drop to your knees and start rubbing your hands on the wooden floor of the clubhouse, vainly attempting to get any kind of relief, and you want this green stuff to just go away. And the horror of what you have witnessed just within the last few hours, wow, what a time to be alive. (laughs) And again, you have that pulse of tangerine lightning. It feels as though you are a rock, a massive rock pushing through stone and strata, struggling to reach air. I'm going to need you to increase your Cthulhu mythos by five. Ooh, wow. that takes me from zero to five. <laughs> this is what happens when you get your first taste of Cthulhu madness and fail all those rolls. New from Fisher Price. It's baby's first madness. And then you feel a wave of fatigue and you collapse to the floor of the clubhouse. Unconscious. New character next week, guys. When? Next week. Alden sits at the kitchenette table, nibbling on a piece of fudge, lost in thought. Clears his throat, looks at the two of you, and says, The powder is ordinary myconazole. I don't know if you're familiar with this. I don't think so. Benjamin, it was your idea. It's a common application for ringworm. What was the powder called? Myconazole. So your conazole? My conazole. Right, your conazole. Who's on first? It was actually uh, a bit that uh, your young friend delivered here yesterday, as a matter of fact, from... Herbs Herbs store. Herbs Herbs, yes. Herbs Herbs. Very fortuitous and timely that he did too, because I had just run out. Let's all raise a glass to Kyle. (laughs) I don't have any more fresca. (laughs) Shut up! I hate all of you. I quit. Now you say that these goats were being replicated in some fashion. Yeah. And then you said that these people at the hot springs were somehow fused or... Yeah, their hands were fused together. Well, I think Rosa hit the nail on the head when she said that somehow it was the hot springs and the mushrooms. That that seems to be the key. We could use... More of this powder? We could carry it around or something. We could carry it around, of course, but that doesn't take care of the root of the problem. Do you, either of you have any ideas how we could take care of the root of the problem using this powder? Sort of like a tree has a root. We have to figure where it, out where it's coming from. Put some of the powder in the, the hot springs. That's what I was thinking, too. I wonder if the mushrooms are pulling water from the hot springs. Yes, I, that, that makes sense. Good idea. Let us think about this. Now, the hot springs are fed from a source, correct? I think so. If memory serves, it's been many years since I've been to the hot springs, but they lie at the foot of the mountain, do they not? Yeah. Yeah. The creek that goes past there, too, that probably ties into it. Yeah, the water must come from up the mountain. Yes, exactly, Rosa, yes. So we got to go to the source, right? We got to go to where the water is coming from. Where it starts. I believe you're correct, Benjamin. And then as Rosa indicated, perhaps we could poison the source of the water flowing down from the mountain. We could dump in a lot of the ringworm stuff. Yes, my conazole, yes. Yeah, your conazole. How much will we need of that, though, that you don't have very much? Oh, I assume that you would need quite a lot, yes. Who would have a bunch of that? The military base, maybe? I imagine they might have some. I also have some contacts in San Francisco. Perhaps if we engaged Herb... 
He owes me a few favors. Oh, yeah, yeah. He believed us, too. He was the only adult that we trusted enough to tell what we really saw. And he told us to come to you. Yes. Herb is a longtime friend. Many decades. Let us say that uh, we have an understanding, and he does certain favors for me, and I I do certain favors for him. Yes. And history will re- record them as just good friends. Sir, will you, will you do me a favor? Because we're going to go and ask... Herb, if he can help us. I'll phone him. (gasps) You have a phone? Indeed, yes. I thought you were too old for a phone. I thought there'd be telegraph going on. I also propose that I make a call to Ranger Rickenbacker. I believe that he would be necessary to help us get up the mountain. Or you. I can't make it. He might know where the water comes from. Exactly. Now, Ranger Rickenbacker is, shall we say, a bit more pragmatic. Any of the stuff that you've told me... I don't think would fly. However, he would be willing to entertain the thought of removing the mushroom influence, which is essentially what we're trying to do with the myconazole. So let's stick to that story. Okay. He'll believe me since I am, after all, a dermatologist and have widely studied and written about mycology. It's all about you, isn't it? It certainly is. If only we had gotten to know each other earlier in this scenario. We haven't been to college yet. We gotta finish Hyalisky school. I think we've settled upon a course of action. Now, what about your friend, Kyle? Where is he currently? I'm not sure. He went back. To the future! Party! He went back with Randy to get mushrooms, to pick them. I hope he hasn't met his uncle as a mushroom being and his aunt had to... (laughs) I hope he's not insane, passed out somewhere. It might be wise if you return to your homes for the evening, and I will have Ranger Rickenbacker meet you at Herb's at the crack of dawn. Will you be there? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You will need to accompany Ranger Rickenbacker up the mountain so that he understands where it needs to feed. Because he can't know what we're really doing exactly please steer him away from the hot springs if you're able and if he won't listen he will kill him i have a grot i am grot just have him touch the rock it's fine it's electrifying try to get a good night's sleep tonight and i will contact you in the morning all right report to herbs at the crack of dawn yes sir thank you for all of your help and thanks for helping rosa you bet. And I've already prepared some gift baskets for you. We, we have some very nice soaps and hand lotions. <laughs> and more importantly, thanks for the fresca. You're quite welcome, Benjamin. Yes. Sponsor us, fresca. Hashtag not sponsored. Godspeed and good night. And he ushers you out the front door. Kyle, you groggily come to and realize that you're still lying on the clubhouse floor but it's dark now the moon is shining through one of the unshuttered windows past the rock pump and for a moment you're discombobulated you're not sure exactly where you're at then you feel that wave of relief as you hear the crickets outside chirping and you shift slightly to feel your hands are they're fine they feel back to normal and they don't feel puffy. You don't feel that weird furriness on them. Oh, thank God. I don't have health insurance. <laughs> Geico. And you realize that you're quite hungry. Pick the gun up. So you sit up from the floor and reach toward the gun, which is leaning 
up against the shelf with all the trophies on it. And as you outstretch your arm, you feel another one of those waves of nausea and fatigue wash over you. Are you pregnant? Mushroom babies. New from Jim Henson. (laughs) Your eyesight wavers slightly. Everything doubles and triples. And you feel too weak to even reach out and grasp the gun. Oh no, the liberals finally took your gun away from you. They took our guns! Those liberals disguised as mushrooms. Slowly start crawling across the floor towards the gun. And you get about a foot when you realize there's something, some sort of resistance pulling, tugging at your left side, just below the ribs. Turn and look back to see why I'm not going anywhere. And you witness tendrils attached to your flesh just where your kidneys would be, extending out about six feet to a lump of flesh about the size of you. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. He's lump, he's lump, he's in the... We still don't know what caused this other than... Aliens. Whatever is causing this is buried deep underground, and maybe that's why the military built a base here, because they found something. Military involvement. Not aliens. Big Brother's always watching. But not Big Uncle. Oh, It's not Herb's Herb, so that's a plus. He's on our side. That's what you think. He's a mushroom alien working with the military. It seems like something ancient came birthed up from underground somehow. Because hot springs are a, like a conduit for the heat of a mantle. So whatever, it could be forcing like spores up through the hot springs. Yeah, it could be like any temperature change. Like, you know how um, some insects can lay dormant for years and years and years, and then a temperature change spawns them out. They finally start to reproduce and come up. Something woke them up. The wear mop did it. It is time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. Lupine, start us off again. This week I had have a TV show called Crazy Head. It ran like a season or it's a British show. So like a series. It's a group of older teenagers, 16, 17 or something. They are fighting. It's not a total zombie outbreak, but they can start to see zombies. It's just really funny because it's like these people who are not used to fighting zombies but with the humor of the younger generation you know everyone wants to believe that in a like a zombie apocalypse we'd all act superheroes (laughs) but most of us would probably act like morons (laughs) again it's not a full-blown zombie apocalypse they're still like regular community or whatever but they can just suddenly see these darker elements making themselves known and they're like we have to fight these things but we don't know what we're doing and so it's just it's more like how actual people would deal with these things so that is crazy head thank you lupine check that out i'm going up next and i'm going to talk about how i grew up listening to a wide variety of music if i were visiting my grandparents it would be movie soundtracks like the sound of music or peter pan or even occasionally some doris day my parents were hippies so It was Three Dog Night, Fleetwood Mac, and The Beatles. Later in my teens, I discovered Anthem Rock from Journey and Van Halen. 
As I grew older, my tastes grew broader, so hollow notes mixed with Judas Priest and Pink Floyd. That, of course, sent me down the prog rock path. So Genesis eventually led me to the solo work of Peter Gabriel. I can still remember hearing Red Rain for the first time and thinking, holy shit, this guy is dark and moody. I want more. To me, his 1986 album, So, is one that I can listen to over and over, but I'm always on the lookout for new stuff. Thankfully, he has a fresh creation due out this year titled I Slash O, Input Output, and he's released a few tracks already. Panopticom, The Court, and Playing for Time, each of which has two mixes, a dark side mix and a bright side mix. These singles have been dropped to coincide with lunar phases, which seems like a pretty cool thematic for an album that is concerned with our Earth and what we're doing to it, and what will happen to us as a result. Get it? Input, output. The songs are lyrically strong, as you would expect, with complex arrangements that demand listening with good headphones or a great sound system. I heartily recommend this new music and encourage you to discover Peter Gabriel's vast backlog of stellar progressive rock. Nice. Matthew, you are up next. So we're, we're wavering a bit from the usual this week. Uh, no game and not just because I've been obsessively playing Destiny 2 since late fall came out. We're going to we're going to recommend a book this week. Uh, it's called Choke Point Capitalism, How Big Tech and Big Content Captured Creative Labor Markets and How We'll Win Them Back uh, by two authors, Rebecca Giblin and Corey Doctorow. Uh, what this book is, is it is a very sobering look at the current corporate culture in America and how so many or so few big companies have managed to capture so much of so many markets. They take an in-depth look at how, you know, Spotify took over streaming, how Apple took over the entirety of or almost all of the book industry, how three companies control pretty much all the music you listen to. It's really equal parts interesting and frustrating and so many things in there. At the point, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of things make sense. They go really in-depth with the research and you get to see step-by-step step the history of the company and all the anti-competitive things they've done and how they're currently working to change laws and practices to make sure that nobody can touch them. The first good chunk of the book is just that, and it's really frustrating to listen to. But the good news is that the second half of the book is them going through and saying, okay, here's what we have to do to fix this. It's not a hopeless situation. It's not, you know, end game yet. There are things we can do to make this better, to make things better for uh, you and for me and for all the people out there who create content for a living, who are constantly getting screwed over by these mega corporations who are only there to make more money for themselves. Um, so if you're looking for something that's maybe a little bit on the heavier side, I guess you could say, but still super interesting and totally worth a read and or listen to. Check out Choke Point Capitalism. We'll do that. Thank you, Matt. Brian, you are last up. Uh, unfortunately, I have to keep it dark as well. Um, I'm going to recommend a movie called Cocaine Bear. Basically, a 500-pound black bear happens upon duffel upon duffel of cocaine that was dropped out of a plane uh, smuggled out of Mexico and proceeds to eat, snort, whatever it can do in some very funny ways and go on a rampage through this national park. And you have Ray Liotta, who's the head of the drug dealer, whatever, on our in, in the States, trying to get all the drugs to 
sell them. You've got the forest ranger who's trying to stop all of these kids that she thinks is doing all the bad things in the forest. And then you have this mom, the heartfelt part, trying to find her daughter that skipped school and went out with a friend to the forest so they could paint at the waterfalls. And they're all trapped in the middle of this rambunctious, bloody, humorous situation. If you're into really good special effects, gore, and humor all mashed into one, you will definitely enjoy Cocaine Bear. Uh, Weta Works does the special effects on it. And they know when to make it look real and when not to make it look real for the comedic aspect of it. So check it out, Cocaine Bear. Sounds like a blast. I want to see it. And that's it for this episode of Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And I am taking all suggestions for my new character to debut next week. Uh, you can feed those to me on Mastodon at the Real Weird Kid. And I am secretly cured of my fungus. Yay! Woo! But I'll still talk fungus if you want to hit me up. Uh, drop me a note on my link tree. Uh, Linktree slash Vendetta, all one word. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, you can either contact Matt on Macedon, or you can reach me at Discord with Lovecraft Tapes. Until next time, roll four. Fresca. Sponsor us, Fresca. With the little curly straws. Sponsor us, curly straws. The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.